Hi everybody, my name is Adam John Aparicio and I am a counselor at CSU Health Network and welcome to Mental Health Musings, our podcast on mental health and everything wellness related. I want to introduce my co-host for today. Hi everyone, it's me, Stephanie Z, she, her, hers. I'm the coordinator of well-being with the Health Network and really happy to be back here. Thanks for tuning in. Well, today's conversation is going to be a really great one. We have some awesome guests with us today, but just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up, just a little bit of a content warning that today's conversation might bring up some things for some of our listeners. And so if you are a CSU student, we just want to remind you that you have access to our emergency mental health line. And so if you are having a mental health emergency, we want you to call 970 Four nine one seven one one one, and that's a twenty four seven phone line where you could be connected to a licensed professional. If anything that we talk about today brings anything up for you, so without further ado, I want to just give a hello to our guests that we have today. We have Vivian um, Ephraimson App and Jeff Palez, who will give some introductions a little bit later, um, but they are two wonderful colleagues at the CSU Health Network. Thanks, Adam John. So today's topic is, like he said, about trauma. And before we get into this, I do want to refer back to our first podcast um, for our new listeners. And the first podcast was called uh, When is Self-Care Not Enough? And Adam John and I talk about our journey and our personal journey for to wellness and mental health. And so I really encourage you all to check that out as well, because all kind of flows in together. And I think definitely while we don't say it, I'm certain we touch upon the topic of trauma in our own personal stories. So give it a give it a check out. So okay, according to integratedlistening.com and the American Psychological Association, trauma is the response to a deeply distressing or terrible event that overwhelms an individual's ability to cope, causes feelings of helplessness, diminishes their sense of self and their ability to feel a full range of emotions and experiences. Wow, that's a lot. And thankfully, Dr. Paulez and Vivian are here to break that down for us. Excellent. Yes. And I couldn't think of two more capable folks to help us out today. So Vivian and Jeff, if you could start us off with um, telling us a little bit about your roles at CSU Health Network, and then perhaps how you work with folks to help them better understand trauma. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here and to talk about this important topic. So I work at the CSU Health Network as the manager of well-being initiatives. I get to work with Stephanie quite a bit, and we do a lot of outreach and a lot of education. And so as far as trauma goes, you know, one thing that folks will often talk about is they might not even know that they're experiencing trauma or high stress. And so one way to think about this is to think about if you're ex experiencing something too fast, you know, there are things happening in your life and it's just going so fast that it's overwhelming. Another way to think about this is if you're experiencing something for too long, so sort of like you can't get a break. And another way to think about this is that maybe you've had too little for too long. So there might have been maybe something that has been ignored or unaddressed for too long. So that's just one way to just start to unpack. Am I actually in a situation where I'm experiencing a pretty high level of stress? It's sort of like not 
ending, it's relenting, and also too much, too fast for too long, or too little for too long. So I'll pass it off to Jeff, um, but that's just uh, one way to start to get into it. Hi everyone, my name is Jeff Polez. I'm the trauma psychologist at the CSU Health Network. So that means I get to do a lot of work around this. And on the student side, that means doing like one-on-one -on -one care um, in terms of therapy with students. And I also get to run and create group experiences as well as, as well as like outreach opportunities and things like that. So I'm very excited to be here and have this conversation. Vivian, I love that piece that you were naming. And I often use a similar framing when I'm starting to talk with students. Um, that big definition that Stephanie gave us is helpful for sure. And sometimes kind of breaking it down to be thinking about too much, too fast, too soon. Um, that's kind of the most simple way that I like to start with describing it and then kind of exploring for a different person kind of what that means for them or what that has felt like for them throughout their life. One of the pieces I like to also clarify around what is trauma is that oftentimes we focus on individual trauma and trauma is not only in an individual, it's also can be experienced collectively within groups, depending on how we identify or find solidarity with different groups, depending on who we are and how we walk in the world. And so we can kind of talk about more of what that looks like, but I like to start there as well, as it's both the individual and the collective experience um, of trauma when big things are happening to us and overwhelming things are happening to us. Secondarily, I like to really clarify what trauma is not, because I think that's really important too. As we're talking about what trauma is, from the, from the get-go, I wanna talk about like trauma responses are not a weakness. Trauma responses are not your fault. You don't have direct control over what's happening inside your body in those moments when something overwhelming is happening. And when you find yourself even getting stuck in trauma type responses, it's not a life sentence. It's not something that can, um, you can never recover from. And so one of the kind of the root words, I'm a word nerd, and one of the root words for trauma is wound. And what that does for me is it helps me think about how trauma impacts our brains and our bodies. And especially the physical aspect of a wound is knowing that wounds can heal. And so getting support, um, reading, connecting with other people, safe people, those are all ways that we can heal wounds that are coming up. So I think that's also important to clarify like what trauma is not as we're starting to define what trauma is too. I love that. And as you all were chatting, I was just thinking about, I mean, and like I said, in our last episode, we talked about when self-care was not enough, kind of like when we needed to ask for help or even just, and I shared, like, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I need to seek counseling, you know, is that something I need to do? And uh, because I didn't feel, I don't want to say like worthy but I felt like I, I don't know, I just wasn't enough, right? Like I didn't think I was on that like place on the spectrum of like, I needed to go. And the same thing here with trauma, like working with Vivian, being in my role, you know, interacting with you, Adam, John and Jeff, like hearing that of like what trauma could be, it's, I immediately am like, my God, like I've had some very traumatic things that I've experienced and I still carry that, right? I was a residence director prior to this role, like, you know, for six years, I saw a lot of things and that, you know, and now I think back to it and I remember telling people what I've seen and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I guess I would experience some things. And, and I'm sure they've manifested in different ways. So anyway, I just really wanted to appreciate that. And I'm sure our viewers, our viewers, our listeners, maybe our viewers um, will also appreciate that as well. So a question for you all, what is a trauma response and how might we recognize it in ourselves or others? I can jump in first. So when I think about trauma responses, I think about our brain and body being in survival mode. 
And so oftentimes when too much, too fast, too soon, something happens, kicks us into a, a space-mediated thinking brain, we're acting from our survival brain. And the reason I start there is I think it's really helpful for building self-compassion for ourselves. Because oftentimes when we have a trauma response and then maybe start to notice things triggering us later, we have a lot of guilt or shame kind of connected to those responses. So that's starting off first is when you think about how our brain is even structured, our thinking part of our brain, that part of the wrinkly crinkly part top of our brain that most people think of as the cortex, it's the part of us that makes us most different from the rest of the animal kingdom. Um, that part of our brain that like makes decisions is really slow and is trying to think about like what are patterns or themes or connections, the part of our brain that's really emphasized in our society a lot too, in terms of like academics and things like that. Um, that part of our brain is not the part of our brain that's online while we are experiencing something that's traumatic or overwhelming. And so it really is this part of our brain that's lower and deeper that's called our limbic system. And there's a lot of things in our limbic system, but maybe the most important piece for this conversation is our amygdala. And I like to describe our amygdala as our smoke alarm. Um, and that comes from a lot of pieces like Bessel van der Kolk and some other folks. But I like this image of a smoke alarm because your body is wired for survival. And so that means it's constantly sniffing for smoke and looking for a fire. And when I think about that for me, you know, in real life, if a smoke alarm's working well and you're asleep and your house is on fire and it wakes you up, like, great, yay, the smoke alarm worked, wonderful. Um, or if you're like me and you've been cooking bacon and you know, too much stuff comes up and your smoke alarm goes off and you're just like, I get really annoyed, I get really frustrated, I'm like loud, so loud, it's all those things. And so our smoke alarm internally, our amygdala is not always the best at differentiating the level of threat in the environment. Our brain is just meant to keep us alive. So anything that is perceived as a threat, which is gonna base, be based on a lot of our lived experiences, things that were acutely traumatic or chronically traumatic throughout our lives, um, those are all gonna kind of predispose us to if we've experienced trauma to have more strong kind of smoke detector responses in our brain. And that's where we get to those things that folks talk about as like the fight, flight, freeze responses. Some other people will throw in like fawn or other, other words in there too. Um, like fight, flight, freeze are some of the big ones that most folks think of. And when we're in that space of fight, flight, freeze, that's about keeping us alive, keeping us safe. And when that needs to happen, awesome. But there's also times where that doesn't feel as helpful. Jeff, I really appreciate what you appreciated what you just shared. And a um, couple of things that can also be helpful to think about is that sometimes trauma is fight and flight, um, you know, where we're just in this sort of chronic fight and flight, or we're in a chronic freeze. So just like Jeff described, it's very adaptive for us to, when a car is coming in our direction, to jump away from it. That's very adaptive. And, but sometimes if we can't turn off that response, if we can't metabolize it, if we can't integrate the experience, that's actually when we're experiencing a trauma response. Um, so just for you to know that. And then the other thing is, is that sometimes we have a mixed state. So if you're feeling like you're very activated, but you also feel very stuck, that could be a mixed state of being a bit frozen, but also very activated. So, um, and that sometimes happens when we're not able to run away or fight a situation. We freeze, but we're also incredibly activated in our bodies. And um, like Jeff described, that also affects our cognitive functioning as well. 
So that that's really interesting because I think for me it really brings up a lot of thoughts about preventative care. So I'm I'm wondering um, for y'all, what are ways to reduce our reactions to trauma responses from our past, or if we experience um, a new traumatic event, how do we help ourselves both heal as well as kind of be in the moment to move through some of that pain? So I really appreciate that question around how do we move through maybe the re-triggering of trauma, also the healing of trauma. And I think Jeff can maybe speak to the healing of trauma as far as from a therapeutic stance. But one thing is to really respect our life experiences. One way to think about that is that we all have life experiences that shape us in certain ways. And some of these challenges that we've that we've experienced not only do we have a scar from that that is healed, but that scar, if you look at that scar, um, a scar is stronger than the actual skin that was there before. So that there's certain strengths that we've gained from some of these very difficult situations that we've found ourselves in. And that's what sometimes folks will call resilience or post-traumatic growth. And so we all have that and we all have the ability to cultivate that. And we also have the ability to really take good care of our bodies and minds as we go through our life. So if we've had, for example, a lot of adverse childhood experiences, if we have ongoing continuous trauma in certain ways because of our situation that we find ourselves in. Those are things that we need to have great respect for and we need to practice care for that. And I think at a certain point in this podcast, we'll talk about what some of those tools might be, strategies, ways in which we might approach uh, taking good care of ourselves and just recognizing that our systems actually need that support. So I'll stop there and see if Jeff has anything he'd like to add. Yeah, I love that, Vivian. I think some of the pieces that I also would discuss or explore would be thinking about where we actually have control. Because part of what you're naming is um, when we have trauma reactions, responses, they can usually feel overwhelming and out of control. And some I think takes some honesty to sit back and be like, we actually don't have control over those things. Like we're talking about, those are survival responses. We only have control over our perception of those and our behavior kind of after the fact. So if you notice yourself kind of getting snapped into a fight, flight, freeze kind of mode, that's okay. It makes sense why your body's doing that based on your story, based on your context. And we can also choose like, what do we do about that in the moment after the fact, which is the behavior piece of that. So I like to start with that place of understanding and compassion, because I think that matters more than anything. If we kind of get stuck on this, like I need to control my feelings um, or control my body reactions, that just continues this cycle of shame around trauma responses. In terms of what actually helps, I think about ways to ground ourselves and reconnect to the present. Because when we're being re-triggered or trauma's being brought up, it's often connecting us out, disconnecting us from the present and taking us back to that moment in the past. Because trauma, when it's re-triggered, it feels like it's happening again in our bodies in the present. Um, and whether that's like, you know, we can give a lot of different examples, whether that's like racial trauma, whether that's sexual trauma, whether that's like some kind of violence that we've experienced in our lives. When those things happen again, they feel like they're in the present, even if it's like a maybe a smaller dose or a bigger dose, depending on the situation, but it feels like present again. And that feels really overwhelming. Yeah, I think um, one thing that you brought up, um, Vivian, in terms of um, resiliency, I'm wondering for listeners out there, how can we really care for the community? Because I, I want to think about 
how on one hand trauma can be a really individual thing, but um, what we've even learned from being in this pandemic is that we have this really large kind of shared trauma. And so maybe not specific to the pandemic, but in general, how do we support communities around some of um, these traumatic events that we've been facing? Yeah, I really, community care is very important. And for those of us that think about some of the trauma triggers that are in our everyday life, as well as some of the traumatic or high stress events that we've experienced, we also know that there has been things that have been very helpful. And often those things that are helpful are things like what Jeff just mentioned, being able to ground ourselves in the present moment, being able to look around in our environment, being able to have somebody listen to us, uh, have someone else uh, say something supportive, have somebody believe us, you know, say, I believe you, like, I really believe that this is your experience right now, and not uh, talk us out of it, um, as well as some of the things that support our bodies, like moving away from the situation, going into a bathroom, and actually taking care of your bodily needs, you know, so, you know, taking a drink of water, um, doing a gesture that is comforting to yourself, touching something, looking at something in nature. All of these things can be incredibly resourcing in the moment when we're experiencing a trauma trigger. And so when we're talking about community, the community is not only people, but all the things that can support us around us. And then also when, when we're with others that are experiencing this, reminding others of this. So if you have a friend that's just had, I'm just going to give a very simple example, somebody be unkind to them in a customer service interaction, and it's triggering the ways in which people have not cared for them in the past, this is an example of a trauma trigger. And, you know, to reach out to your friend and say, I hear you, that person said that thing in a, in a way that really was difficult. And so even at the smallest level, showing up for each other, if we ourselves have delivered that to somebody, because maybe, you know, we weren't really good at taking care of somebody, apologizing. So really as a community, recognizing that we have a lot of ability to influence what's going on when somebody is trauma triggered. So those are some of the things that come to mind right now. I love that. And I would just add one little piece I'm thinking about, the collective healing piece of this. And one of the honors that I get to do is get to facilitate a trauma skills group. So we get to share with folks going through trauma and healing from trauma together. And um, that's a specifically therapeutic kind of space. And at the same time, they learn a lot, but the, one of the most consistent takeaways from group members is that they just feel less alone, is that they feel like they're being witnessed. They feel like they're being understood and validated in those experiences. When I think about that, even outside of any kind of therapeutic space, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I try to have in my ag advocacy work and like what we're doing in society is trying to create more opportunities for witnessing, bearing witness, being present with people and not trying to correct or diminish their experience when we first hear it. Um, I think that's a big piece of trauma-informed living slash care. Yeah, I think also what's coming up for me is thinking about how do we um, both communicate um, maybe some of how trauma impacts us, but also how do we as friends or colleagues remember and learn from, you know, what tragic experiences or traumatic experiences some of our colleagues have had. I, I'll share for me, I was very bullied as a kid. And so 
whenever I have to be in front of people or public speak, I know I have to have water because my uh, salivary glands, I, I have like a traumatic reaction where they really shut down. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I've ever told anybody who <laughs> on this podcast that, but that's why I always am drinking water when I have uh, public speaking um, roles. And I have a really good friend, Aisha Valencia of Seattle, Washington, who would always make sure that um, I, one, feel comfortable whenever she would invite me to speak to her students, but she would always always have a glass of water ready for me because she knew that um, the kind of nervousness I would feel. And so I just think about how do we partner with each other to, to have each other's backs is always important. I mean, I think that just really emphasizes like what we talk about that, I mean, this, even this concept of self-care really should be community care and that we need one another when we are talking about healing and yeah, just healing. I don't want to say repair, but healing, right? Um, Because even in that example, Adam John, right, you had your very good friend Aisha there who knew that and you didn't have to give context. What I think I'm trying to say is that Part of it is knowing what is trauma and and for folks that are experiencing it or maybe they know folks who have it. And I think the other part is like knowing this, I guess, the signs or being like being aware, you know, and vigilant of like, you know, as you're observing someone, what are they experiencing? Oh, could it possibly be a trauma response? Um, those are just some things that come to my head. So really, this last question is kind of like, I mean, we talked about this as if we were planning that we could talk about this forever, you know, and like, um, this is a very like a less than 30 minute session. But um, for the listeners, I just want you to know that we're so lucky to have Jeff and Vivian here at CSU. And so if you want to talk more um, about trauma or um, anything else, you definitely look them up on our health website and their contact information is there. Um, hopefully when we get back to being in person, you can come visit them, but they live, they're here. I don't, they don't live at CSU, but they're here at CSU. So they, um, you know, they're not, I mean, they're great people and they're stars in my eyes, but they're here at CSU. So I just want to put that out there, but all right. So just to kind of close it up, um, Vivian and Jeff, are there any final helpful tips to cope with trauma or do you have any words of wisdom around wellness or maybe your own tips um and tricks that you've done in your lifetime that you'd love to share i know i love hearing what you all have to say so i will be fiercely taking notes right now yeah i can jump in i think one of the biggest thing that comes to mind for me when i'm especially when we're talking about trauma and being like trauma informed in our lives and in our support of other people and ourselves i'm thinking about kind of shifting our perspective from like a what's wrong with me or like what's wrong with my reaction in quotes like oftentimes we get kind of stuck in that frame is asking ourselves and getting a little more curious and being like what just happened like what's going on inside for me like trying to understand why we're responding the way we're responding based on our stories and based on our trauma experiences throughout life i think shifting even that perspective can be massive in terms of moving and taking steps away from shame and then I would just encourage folks to, whether that means um, connecting with safe friends, a safe community space, um, talk about like shared experiences, whether that means reaching out for a therapist or getting involved in like a group, um, finding spaces where you can start talking about this stuff more, um, just in terms of emotional processing and making sense of things. If it doesn't, if we don't talk it out, we end up acting it out or working it out in some other ways. And so I think just finding spaces to, to work it out 
um, either with a therapist or with safe people would be the biggest recommendation that I would have. What I would add is, and I really appreciate, Adam John, what you said about, you know, recognizing what helps you personally, you know, with the glass of water and the public speaking, is to realize that whatever you've experienced in life, um, and I know that myself, I've experienced it's a lot of difficulty, and so is my family. Whatever that is, and whether it's cultural, whether it's situational, whether it's developmental, you know, whatever it is, um, there's so much to learn about yourself in that. And when we have difficulties, we also realize in so many ways how many resources we have at the same time because we need each other. And so you might find that there's others, including faculty and staff at CSU, who can relate to your experience, including peers who can relate to your experience, and that that actually strengthens you. It connects you to your humanity. And one of my wise elders once said that, you know, many of the injuries that we've had in our life are really the doorways to our humanity. They're the doorways to deeply understand our human experience. So if we can hold it as that, and also if we can do whatever it is that makes us feel empowered. So we also know that when there are difficulties, we've had students that have said, you know what, we need to have something for folks like myself. And it is actually students that have also, because of some of the experiences said, we need to have more services or we need to have more care. So if that's also one of your responses to empower yourself, um, because of some of your life experiences, that's also important. And then just on the um, preventative side, um, at CSU we are engaging in the community resilience model. And there's a wonderful app called iChill that has six practices in it. So if you're curious about that, check it out because it talks a lot about what Jeff and I and Adam and Stephanie have, Adam, John and I and Stephanie have spoken about. And it's just a reminder, this is sort of how my body works in high stress situation. And these are some of the practices like drinking water, like grounding oneself that can be helpful. Um, so look that up. And as Stephanie said, Jeff and I are available as well as other folks at the CSU Health Network to help support you. I love all that. And just as Stephanie said earlier, I think we could talk all day about uh, not only this topic, but really kind of basking in your, both of your, um, all three of you actually, your knowledge around trauma and really supporting that community of care. Just so, just big special thanks to both Vivian and Jeff for joining us today. I really appreciate sharing this space with you and sharing some personal stuff and professional um, aspects of how we can best support students. And so thanks again. Yeah, definitely want to co-sign Adam John. Thank you so much for being here. I know we're all busy people and got a lot going on. So appreciate that. And then for you all who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. There is a survey connected to our podcast description. We would really appreciate it if you would just take the minute to click on it and answer the questions um, for us to gather information. Also how we can improve and what topics you'd love to hear for this podcast. So thanks again. And we will Talk to you all next time. Bye.